Oh, let's lift our hands and give him praise. A miracle can happen even beyond this room. It can come right into where you're watching this today. It can come in right into your living room. It can come into your kitchen. It can come into your bedroom. A miracle can happen today. Let's lift our hands and let's give him glory and honor and pray. God, I believe you. You're a healer. You're a way maker. God, I'm going to give you praise. God, I'm going to give you glory. God, I'm going to anticipate a healing. God, I'm going to expect a healing and give you great glory and great praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Well, it is great to be here on Lockdown Sunday. We are so delighted that you've tuned in to be with us. And we are with you, and the Holy Ghost is with us both. In fact, um, if you're a Cornerstone member, we really do strongly urge you to be sending these um, sending these clips out to friends and family. You know, a lot of people that have said, you know, I'll never step foot in a church or a Pentecostal church or wherever the case may be. They could be greatly enriched and blessed by the anointed singing, worship, and preaching of God's Word. And I just think that this is just an incredible opportunity to do some soul winning, even with the doors closed and supposedly the lights off. But God is on the move. God is on the move. Let's lift our hands and let's give him praise for that right now. Father, we love you. We praise you. I know that we might be in a lockdown. I know there's a crisis. I know there's a virus. I know all this. But God is on the move. Praise God. Praise God. I'm excited to be a part of what God is doing in this world, in this country, in this community, and in this church. Praise God. Cornerstone, we're delighted to be together uh, again, even though it's, well, you're there and we're here. But we're together in spirit and uh, love each and every one of you so very, very much and just so glad that we could uh, have this time together uh, right now. I'd like to draw your attention in the Word of God to the book of 1 Samuel. And as I've already mentioned, I hope that you're, as, as room and, and whatever allows, you're able to have people maybe joining with you while you're watching this, or you're just forwarding this on to family. Last week, I received several praise reports of people that were not, they're not even members of this church, but they watched the video, and they were greatly blessed. They were greatly enriched. They were greatly blessed. And who knows uh, the long-term effect of the anointed worship and the anointed Word of God, and uh, we're excited about these things. 1 Samuel chapter number 30, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any 
either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken taken captives. Incredibly dismal and negative situation. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of, of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said unto Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And God answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. One more time, I want to read two more scriptures, verse 4 and verse 6. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Overwhelmed, but not overcome. Overwhelmed, but not overcome. Right where we are, I want us to lift our hands, and I want us to pray. I want us to pray for a work of the Spirit of God here today. Let's lift our voices and let's pray together. Father, by the authority of the name of Jesus, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. God, I pray that the Word of God is anointed breaks every yoke, breaks every prison house, breaks every misunderstanding, breaks every self-imposed or spiritual darkness, breaks every situation that holds people, breaks every bondage. God, I pray for illumination and power to liberate every human being that comes in contact with this message today and beyond. Father, we also pray for our country, our president, our community, our church, members in particular, great and small, those that are sick, those that are recovering, every family, every young person, we ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. This is a famous passage of scripture, and it's one that fits the crisis, the dilemma, if you please, 
that has besieged our world. Um, just a casual reading of my text today. You can see certain elements that are in that text that absolutely address the human dynamic of grief and distress, calamity, and crises. And there's an incredible background to this story. I, we're not going to look at a bunch of scriptures to solidify a foundation, but it is noteworthy that David has already been anointed king. Saul is still alive. And it has already become expressed through words and actions that Saul wants this anointed young man dead. David is actually uh, on the run with 600 of his mighty men of valor that are loyal to David, loyal to his cause, which is actually God's cause. And so they are trying to evade Saul and his faithful men. And Saul has spies everywhere. And uh, there are several instances where these people cooperate with Saul and resist God's will for the in incoming king. And so Saul is actually in a place where he is somewhat beyond the reach of Saul. There is a king here by the name of Achish, or Achishish, that David impresses him. And he is so impressed with David that David comes to him and says, I don't want to hang around um, the royal palace, and I don't want to hang around here. Just give me a plot of land where I can relax and I can call my own. And so the king gives David Ziklag. And this is a gift from the king. And once again, just to articulate how much uh, King Saul wants David dead, in chapter 27 and verse number 1, the Bible said, And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines, and Saul should despair of me to seek me anymore in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. So David has the brilliant maneuver to go into enemy territory. And he realizes that Saul is afraid of the Philistines. He may have, uh, he may have been a warrior against them in times past, but he recognized at the fall of Goliath that Saul had a weakness in the presence of the Philistines. And so in order for David to stay alive, he escapes into enemy territory. And while he, was, he is there, there is a king there that gives David this plot of land. He loves David. He knows he's a mighty warrior. They all know the reputation of him uh, of bringing down Goliath, and he is a, his reputation precedes him. 
And so what happens in this unusual story, as the king gives Ziklag to David, that David takes up residence there. Uh, they set up their tents. They start their bonfires. The women go to domestication. They go to preparing this as their, their new home on the run. They are preparing uh, uh, a place to settle in uh, of safety. And so David and the mighty men take off and join up again with Akashish. And it comes to the point where the Philistines are going to go to war with the nation of Israel. Of course, Saul is the king. So the nation, uh, the Philistines are encamped against the nation of Israel. And Akashish is joining himself with them. And the Philistines fought David amongst uh, in, amongst his man's warriors and his mighty men. And the Philistines take him aside and said, listen, we're glad you're with us. We're glad you're going to go to war with us. However, there is a man there that we don't trust. We, we know who he is. He brought down our mighty warrior uh, Goliath. It's, it's amazing that the Philistines didn't devise a plan to try to kill David right then and there. However, they were delighted that David was now, at least apparently, to be on the side of the enemy and almost fought against God's people. And so they take uh, uh, Acacius to the side and they said, listen, you can go to war with us. We're, we're going to unite together. But David, we fear him. And we fear that when we get in the midst of battle, that he may switch sides against us. And so Acacius goes to David. And paraphrasing greatly here, he says to David, you, can no, you cannot go up to battle with us. And so at this, there is a fork in the road, and David returns to Ziklag. And before they get to Ziklag, they see the spiral of smoke beginning to spiral upward. And so they, they drive in their spurs into the sides of their, their beasts of burden so that they can make it there quicker because they feared that something amiss was going on. And when they go over the brow of the hill and look down upon Ziklag, where there used to be tents, there is now nothing. Where there used to be wives and children playing, there is now no one. There is nothing but a heap of ashes and a few possessions that are now going up in flames and a spiral of smoke that is ascending. The Bible does not varnish this. The Bible tells us clearly the gripping of human tragedy that takes place among David's mighty men and loyal men. And the Bible says that David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. They were grief-stricken. They were overwhelmed with grief by the scene before them. Every man there on his knees and on his face, rolling in the dirt, tears meshing with dirt, producing mud, and clinging to their bodies as they're rolling, and their voices are wailing and weeping at the loss of their family. And in this scenario, the Bible says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake 
of stoning him because the soul of all his men were grieved, every man, for the loss of his sons and his daughters. David did not have the opportunity, as other men did, to process this, to process this as a tragedy and as a great loss, and to actually endure the pain of this, being a man and a great leader at that. He was a man that had to learn to compartmentalize and to juggle the human dynamic, even in the midst of great tragedy and being overwhelmed. There are psychologists and psychiatrists that tell us that how people deal with crisis and grief and distress is an incredible human event, and it must be dealt with properly if human beings are to come back to wholeness and to rightness. Clinically speaking, a mind overwhelmed with grief simply stops functioning. They experience memory loss, confusion, inability to concentrate or to focus, all a part of the process of grief. I heard recently a heartbreaking story of a man that was on a hunting trip with his son, and they separated on this hunting trip, and his son went to the left, and his father went to the right. And while they were hunting, uh, his father noticed that there was something in the bushes that was moving uh, several hundred yards uh, away. And he put the scope to his eye and his finger to the trigger, and he pulled the trigger, only to find out that he had just killed his own son. In the immediacy of that tragedy and grief, being overwhelmed with the moment, that father put the gun to his own body and pulled the trigger and killed himself on the spot. Grief and tragedy has the potentiality to overwhelm a human being. Overwhelm a human being to where they cannot think right and they are not focusing. And ladies and gentlemen and brothers and sisters, there is a fine line between being overwhelmed and being overcome. David finds a place. Emotionally, he is at a place where the Spirit of God, because he was previously already anointed with the horn of oil, he is already enabled and has already been given spiritual endowment to be able to spiritually juggle in the midst of crises. He's able to compartmentalize the moment and he's able to separate the overwhelming crushing heel of grief and distress. And the Bible said, and David encouraged himself in the Lord. I want to preach for several moments that you do not have to give in to the crisis of this hour. You do not have to be a victim of fear. You do not have to be like this world that seems like they are lost and they do not have any direction. We have a God. You need to be able to compartmentalize and say, just wait a minute. It doesn't matter what the newspaper says. Just wait a minute. It doesn't matter what the media says. I have a God that holds the world in the palm of his hand. And David encouraged himself in the Lord. Let's clap our hands and give God great praise. Hallelujah. Because David had this endowment from God. 
And he understood the gravity of the moment, God already working with him. David encouraged himself in the Lord and recognized, I have a promise from God that eclipses the negativity of this moment. I have a future in God that goes beyond the weeping and the wailing and the scene and this overwhelming view that I'm looking at right now. He understood that no matter what happens in this moment, that I am going to live on and God is going to see me on the throne of Israel. I want to preach to this church and even beyond if you're watching that it's time to encourage yourself in the Lord. God has a purpose for your life. God has a design for your life. God has a purpose for your children. God has a purpose for you. It's no time to back up. It's no time to capitulate. It's no time to wallow in fear. It's no time to wonder how the president is going to fix this. God is in control. Only after David was able to gain mental rectitude and renew his mind was he able to take the proper next steps. He called for the ephod, which is the special garment. And David recognized, I need a word from my God. But the very first thing that David did is he took control of the grief, and he took control of the crisis, and he took control of the distress, and he put God first. Before we can deal with the past, before we can deal with the future, we've got to absolutely dominate the present and understanding who God is, understanding who I am, understanding where God is, understanding where I am. I need to know God is for me. I need to know God is in me. I need to know God is with me. And then I can go through anything. And I will be overwhelmed, but I refuse to be overcome. Clap your hands and give God the praise. We are not to be overcome like them that do not know God. We are not to be overcome like them on psychotropic drugs. We are not to be overcome. People heading to the pot stores and heading to the liquor stores considered to be essential places in this crisis. We have a God, and we can be encouraged by him. Come on, somebody, lift your hands. Come on, somebody that's watching here today. Lift your voice. Lift your hands. God is with you. You move and breathe and have your being inside God. And so David settled it in the present by encouraging himself in the Lord. And then he talked about the future. Grasp our promises once we dominate the present. But Jesus is an ever-present help in time of need. Let's lift our hands right now and let's lift his name and let's give him praise. Let's give him glory. 
There's somebody watching this right now. You don't attend this church, but you have you have immediate issues. You've got situations. You're you're bound by fear. You don't know what's going to happen. You're afraid of everything. Every voice that comes along, you're afraid. I rebuke that spirit of fear. God, God, God will replace that spirit of fear with the power of the Holy Ghost that gives you righteousness, peace, and joy. When David took control of the present, did David get a word for his future? Well, Pastor, I'm overwhelmed. I understand. Do you understand how goofy our world is? I need a witness from the musicians. Do you understand how goofy this world is? Andrew, are you listening to this? Our world is so goofy that they have put a total lockdown on our culture. But they have determined that marijuana shops and liquor stores are to remain open. I'm telling you, that is so goofy, but they're going to close down a church. They're going to close down the prey. I'm going to tell you, they ain't closing down nothing. I'm going to tell you what, this is going out. This is going beyond. This is going beyond the problem. This is going beyond your living room. This is going beyond the camera. This is going beyond your headache, your heartache. I might be overwhelmed, but I will not be overcome. Clap your hands and give him praise. Of those that were overcome. And there is a fine line in the brain and in the soul of a person. Between being overwhelmed and overcome. David's 600 men saw the same smoke that David saw. 600 men came to the same brow of the hill overlooking Ziklag that David did. The 600 men saw the same sight that David saw. The 600 men lost wives like David did. The 600 men lost children like David did. The 600 men lost their homes like David did. The 600 men lost their possessions like David did. The 600 men saw nothing but flames and ruin like David did. The 600 men experienced grief like David did. The 600 men experienced distress like David did. But the difference is that David was able to take control of his present by encouraging himself in the Lord. We see we're being overwhelmed crosses over the threshold and now becomes dangerous. It's one thing to be overwhelmed. It's one thing. I'm, I'm preaching to somebody right now that's watching, that's watching this right now. It's one thing to be overwhelmed by your situation. It's another thing to not control being overwhelmed and let it cross across the threshold into that arena of danger of being overcome. These 600 men, David wept with them. These 600 men, David rolled in the dirt with them. These 600 men, David tears streaming down his face like them. But when they spoke of killing the leader, it moved from being overwhelmed to being overcome. 
where there is no rationale, there is no hope, there is no sanity, there is no God, there is no faith, there is no power. I want to tell you today, God is still in control. God is here. God is there. God is everywhere. Hallelujah. I refuse to be overcome. I refuse to give up my hope. I refuse to give up my faith. I refuse to give up my prayer life. I refuse. I refuse. I refuse. Clap your hands and give him praise. thin, emotional line that exists between being overwhelmed and overcoming. The Bible says be angry even when you're overwhelmed. But when you sin, you've been overcome. You're not thinking straight. You're not praying anymore. You're not reading the Bible anymore. You're not walking in faith anymore. You're not believing in your future anymore. You've completely given up the present, which means you've given up the future as well. And now you've moved from being overwhelmed to being overcome. And that's all the devil needs. Rebuke thy brother. And if he repent. It didn't say keep rebuking him. It didn't say get a grudge. It didn't say become resentful. It didn't say become bitter. It didn't say that you hate his guts. It didn't give you permission to assassinate his character. It didn't give you permission to tell everybody. You move from being overwhelmed to being overcome. We are no longer thinking straight. You're no longer putting God first. You're totally led by voices and forces that operate in the dominion of being overcome. An interesting scripture in 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 8. The Bible said, the apostle speaking, be sober. That means free of intoxicant, free of anything that could shift your focus and get you looking one way when you should be looking the other way. Anything that would divide your interest. Anything that would promote double-mindedness. You're single-minded, single-focused. You're awake, you're attentive, and you're watching. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walk, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. When he walks about, the word picture here, I'm told, is straight out of zoology, where it says the aged lions of, of the savannas of Africa, and even at that time up into Ethiopia and biblical lands, when they, were, they got older and couldn't keep up with younger animals, all they would do is go to the edge of, of the great woods or the great forest, or the great where they were hidden in the high grasses. And as they saw the zebra and the gazelle and, and the zebok, and, and they saw those, all they would do is lift their voice and roar. And the animal would freeze, petrified with fear. When the animal talks, or the devil talks, he's trying to overwhelm you. 
He is trying to trick you. He's trying to fool you. He's trying to tell you you're done. He's trying to tell you there's only smoke. He's trying to tell you you've lost your family. He's trying to tell you you've lost your job. He's trying to tell you you've lost your career. He's trying to tell you you've lost your mind. He's trying to tell you you've lost the Holy Ghost. He's trying to tell you you've lost your prophecy. He's trying to tell you you've lost your promises. I'm telling you it's a lie. It's a trick to overwhelm you. But what you cannot do is you cannot become frozen and let him walk right up and now overcome you and now swallow you and now devour you. You've got to look at him and say, I overcome you by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I might have messed up yesterday. I might have messed up five years ago. But you can't have today and you can't have tomorrow. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. There's somebody watching this right now. You're saying, God, I needed this. I needed this. I, I felt like giving up. I, I felt like throwing in the towel. Yes, you were overwhelmed. You were overwhelmed by the lives of the devil. You were overwhelmed by the guilt of the past. You were overwhelmed by the situation of the present. But you cannot afford to allow yourself to be swallowed up and devoured by the enemy of your soul. In Revelation chapter 2, in Revelation chapter 3, that are seven letters to seven churches. Whether you eschatologically believe that that's seven periods of time throughout church history for seven different spiritual conditions or a mixture of all the above, it matters not. But the encouragement to every one of those churches, to him, that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh, to him that overcometh will sit with me in my throne, will be a, pen, a, a pillar in my father's temple, will be given a name, a, a brand new name. The list goes on, the list goes on. For being an overcomer, ladies and gentlemen, in the 21st century, there is grief, there is tra tragedy, there is dilemma, there is crises. We don't know how long this is going to last. We don't know what's going to happen to the finances of America. But you are not going to overwhelm me, devil. I'm not going back to the booze. I'm not going back to the drugs. I'm not going back to atheism. I'm not going back to unbelief. I'm not going back to him that overcometh will sit with me in my father's throne. Let's stand to our feet. And let's lift our hands. I might be overwhelmed, but I am not overcome. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. Jesus, I need your strength. Jesus, I need hope that maketh not ashamed. Jesus, I need to feel you again, God. You that are watching this this morning, don't just don't even pay attention to who's sitting next to you. It's time. You've, you've gotten your word today. You, you've gotten a word directly from God for you. Lift your hands. And if the tears need to stream down your face, if you've allowed yourself the luxury of getting bitter, 
If you've allowed yourself the luxury of looking at internet pornography, looking that there's an answer there. If you've allowed yourself what you consider to be the privilege and opportunity to look at maybe leaving and going to this and going to that and going to this, I might be overwhelmed, but I refuse to be overcome. Let's praise Him. recover as well. Take dominion of your presence and let God plot your course for the future. 